Well, I just want to thank all the couples who shared over the last several weeks on those videos. Give them a hand for opening up a little bit of their lives to us. And uh, on the great date night coming up, we'll hear from a few more couples as well on this uh, Friday night. So looking forward to that. Well, we are in our series, Holy Matrimony. Holy matrimony. When I think we think about marriage before we get married, we think, you know, marriage is going to be just easy and joyful and all those things. And what we realize is that marriage is actually tougher than most people think. But it's also more rewarding. It can also be way more fulfilling than most people imagine. So we've been looking at what does it take for two people to become one? We've been saying, what does it look like to be whole and holy? To be whole and holy, whole together and holy. And so we want to have God-honoring marriages. And so we've been looking at that over the last several weeks. How do two people become one? What does this union look like? How does that happen? How did God design marriage? And we're talking about that in the church because it is God's design. It is God's creation. It is how he designed and intended two people to form this relationship, a man and a woman coming together in marriage to create this foundation for families, for culture, for society, for churches, for the propagation of, of, the, of, of people and, and communities. It is a beautiful design. And yet we know that in that bond of marriage, so much strife and struggle and tension can happen because it takes a lot of work to bring two lives together into one. So we've been looking at that over these last several weeks. But recognizing not everyone is married, right? Not everyone maybe wants to be married, right? It's a, we have a wide range. But we learn throughout all this, first of all, God's design for marriage and what that looks like. But also, we've been dealing with the last several weeks, communication, right? We heard in this video, communication, one of the challenges. How do we express and use our words to bring life and not death? And how can we listen well and establish that bond? Last week, we talked about conflict. Conflict. How are you guys doing with that this week? You guys resolving your conflict, right? It's not a problem that you have conflict. It's how do you resolve it? And, and it's the amazing that conflict can actually lead us into a deeper relationship if we resolve it in a God-honoring way. And so we're working through those pieces. But today, we can't have an entire series about marriage and not talk about one of the most important things, right? What is it? Love. Nobody said love. Wow. Ah, there we go. Ah, now I can see myself. No. Shed some light on the topic. Thank you. We want to talk about love. Love is important. And so we're going to look at today part four, holy love, filling our love tanks. It's so vital. It's so important. There's in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, one, we're looking at one of the most uh, beautiful love chapters. It talks about love and all the different things. And here's how it ends. These things will last forever. All these descriptions of love. Faith, hope, and love will last forever. But what does it say? But the greatest of these is love. Love will prevail. Love will last forever. Love is what's going to carry us through. Love will be there. And so we need to learn what does it mean to love. Now, when we're talking about love, it's, we have to distinguish between falling in love and staying in love. Falling in love is where marriages and relationships tend to begin, right? They begin with falling in love. Do you know why it's called falling in love? Because you just fall into it. You don't have to do anything. It's one of those moments where almost like it grabs a hold of you. Like you didn't even try anything. All of a sudden, maybe somebody you saw as a friend for a long time, all of a sudden now I'm looking at her going, wow, there's a spark. There's something going on, right? And there's this relationship that begins to, to this bond that, that begins to form and, and you start doing weird stuff, right? All you can do is it's all you can think about is the other person and your palms get sweaty, your heart races, you're, you're trying to figure out how to be together. Falling in love, you don't have to do anything. And, and, and when you get overcome by that feeling, you're like, I'm in love. 
Anyone ever experienced that feeling, right? It's just like, man, I'm in love. And what does that feel like? It's a beautiful thing. The rose-colored glasses come on, right? You know what I'm talking about? They can do no wrong. Everything is wonderful. The world's a great, better place. I mean, I remember falling in love with, with Shannon on, on a missions trip that we were on in Costa Rica. And it was on that, that trip that all of a sudden I noticed her in a different way. And, and it was like everything I could do to, to just be near her. Like if we were going on a walk somewhere, I was going to find my way to walk next to Shannon. If we were at an ice cream shop, I'd make sure that I'd get some ice cream and you know, eat it next to her. If we were on the bus, I'd ride on the bus next to her. Yeah, I was kind of one of those guys, right? <laughs> Hope I didn't creep her out too much. You know, we, we'd hang out in, in the evenings, and we'd talk, and it was just like, oh, it was amazing, right? And you go, this is love. Love is amazing. Falling in love. But is that real love? Is falling in love real love? Well, I guess you could argue that. You guys can debate that over lunch. It's definitely a part of love, but some researchers have researched and said, oh, yeah, yeah. That was the second picture ever taken of us. Um, with the sombrero in the background. Yeah, that's a good picture. Sorry, forgot to mention that. <laughs> uh, some researchers have said that uh, real love and, and the difference between falling in love, the stage of falling in love, takes about two years. It lasts about two years, falling in love. And after that, those initial, and, and it can be shorter and longer, but those, all those feelings of falling in love, they change after two years. And then you have to really deal with real love and figure out what does it mean to love. Now, Shane and I married almost uh, two years to the day of when we met and were on that mission trip. So it was like we started our marriage with, according to what researchers say, is the falling in love period is done, and you got to start with real love. What does real love look like? When you take the rose-colored glasses off, when you realize that there are things that you kind of go, wow, I maybe don't really like that habit or that thing or that thing that, you know, that, that happens in our marriage or we had an argument or we fight or we disagreed or we don't have the same idea of how we need to spend our money, all those things that we talked about conflict-wise. And all of a sudden it starts feeling like maybe that love doesn't seem to come as easy. Love seems to be a little harder. And, and we talk about, you can talk about having a love tank. If that love tank is just so overflowing when you first fall in love, after a while, you realize that tank can kind of get lower. You're realizing, how do I fill that love tank? What does it take to, to, to do that? Because it gets drained through the daily tasks, through life, and it doesn't just naturally fill itself up. Here's the, here's the question we need to ask is, how full is your love tank? If you think about your marriage, if you think about relationships, how full is your love tank? Researchers are also, and psychologists talk about this with, in relation to troubled kids and troubled teens, that normally it's a sign of an empty love tank. That there's an issue, it's a love issue that's being acted out and being played out, and they're just looking for love. And so we see what happens when there's not love. And when the love tank is empty in marriage, we feel less like soulmates and more like roommates. We feel like we're managing a household together and not really experiencing a marriage. You just kind of coexist, you come alongside, you don't really feel known. Everything we're talking about, building this bond of marriage, this oneness, now starts feeling like, feeling more separated, more disconnected, more out of sync. And that's all because the love tank feels empty versus a, a love tank that's full. If your love tank is full, all of a sudden you just feel like you can engage in life, you can tackle whatever comes, you feel known, you feel cared for, you feel noticed, you feel invested in. All of these things take place. But here's the challenge. We can't fill our own love tank. Wouldn't it be great if we could just fill our own love tank? We wouldn't need anybody else. We just fill our own love tank. 
But God didn't wire us that way. He didn't design us that way. We can't fill our own love tank. We need to, to have others pour that into us. And that creates the beautiful interdependence in marriage. Beautiful interdependence in relationships with friendships, with other people and families. We need other people to pour into our love tank. So how do you do that? When falling in love is, is easy, it just seems to happen. And later on, you actually have to work at it. It takes work. It takes effort. You know, you've all heard the phrase, love is a verb. <laughs> love is a verb. Why? Because it takes work. It takes effort. It takes investment. It requires action. Falling in love is just feelings and emotions. They just come naturally. But if you really want to build a relationship, you have to invest and pour into that love. Here's what Jesus said, John 14, 34. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. So it's a command of Jesus saying you have to love each other because he designed us this way to fill each other's love tank in church, in relationships. How do we pour into each other? But Jesus didn't just say, I love you, although he did. He shared his love. Here's what it says in 1 John 4, 9. God showed how much he loved us. Right? God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. God showed it. God demonstrated it. It was obvious to us how that, that, that came. We're going to look at that today. So how do we fill each other's love tank? The thing is, our love tanks are filled with different fuel and in different ways. Think about different languages that we speak, different ways that we, we try to communicate. Have you ever tried to talk to some, speak with somebody that has a completely different language than you? All right, you speak English and they speak Russian. Let's say you don't speak Russian, right? How do you communicate? How do you talk? So you start speaking slower. Does that help if they don't know the language? Was somebody speaking Russian to you really slow? Is that going to help you understand it more? No, right? We start speaking slower. We try different things. We start hand gesturing, right? We're doing all these different things. We're trying desperately to communicate. And maybe without even realizing, we've like sold off our firstborn. Sorry, Miana. Right? You're just, you know, what are you agreeing to? What are you nodding to? You don't even know. You have to, under, <laughs> you have to understand the language. And you have to understand what speaks and communicates love. Shannon and I, I remember um, when we were again, dating, and uh, after the, the person I dated before Shannon, I vowed that I would never say I love you to another woman until she's the one that I was going to marry. I wasn't going to just use those words and throw those around. And so we've been dating for a while, and, and I definitely felt love for Shannon, and, and uh, you know, our relationship was growing, and I think we were out on a, on a date at, at one point, and it was a romantic moment, a nice time. We were together out, and, uh, and Shannon whispered to me. She said in a tender moment, she said, I love you. And now I was in a little bit of a conundrum because um, <laughs> I loved her, but I didn't want to say it until I was ready that I was going to marry her. That was like the comment I had. So she said, I love you. And I said, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're coming up on uh, 23 years here of marriage, so we, we, we made it through. But, but sometimes we just don't communicate. We don't talk the right language. We don't talk the same thing and what one is feeling and the other one isn't. So how do we fill each other's love tank? Well, today we're going to look at a book that I recommend and some principles that I recommend to every couple that I do premarital counseling with. And it's a well-known concept and maybe you've heard it. And if you haven't, um, I want to introduce you to the five love languages. This is uh, Dr. Gary Chapman. If you've read this and heard it, I hope it's a refresher. If you haven't, it's a great opportunity to, to really learn how do we speak each other's language. 
Because the language that was native to us and how we express love isn't always the, and typically not the language that our spouse speaks when it comes to love. And so we want to know what are these languages, and I want to look at five of them today, and we want to see how this was de- God demonstrates these same um, five languages of love. So we're going to try to knock these out here. You guys ready? All right, number one, words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. Mark Twain once said, I can live for two months on a good compliment. Words of affirmation, to hear what's important, to hear what I mean to somebody else. So if your spouse's love language is words of affirmation, build up your spouse by expressing appreciation, compliments, and encouragement. You build up by expressing appreciation, compliments, and encouragement. Again, whether this is your spouse, whether it's a child, whether it's someone else that has this love language, it's important to hear. Words of affirmation is my primary love language. I just need to hear what matters, what's important. I need to hear those things. Offer encouragement, verbal appreciation. So if your spouse has this love language, you need to say things like, you look hot in that shirt, right? <laughs> man, if, 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 you, if those are important words to you, like, man, it looks like honey, isn't it, right? Or man, that cooking, yeah, that meal was awesome. It was off the charts. Thank you so much. Man, you know, like, you're, 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 you don't hold back. I know how much this means to you. You say those words, words of appreciation, words of encouragement, right? Reinforcing a difficult decision, something that was going on. Hey, I'm with you. I'm here with you. That just feels like, oh, I just need to hear it. It goes through my ears, and it goes into our hearts. We need to hear you say it directly. It's fuel, right? And we start feeling closer together. We think about Jesus, and you think about Scripture, and the words that he used. You know, we think about Jesus' words, powerful and encouraging. He would say to his disciples, he said, I no longer consider you as, uh, as servants, but I call you friends, right? You're my, you're my friends. Think about what he said to, to Peter. He said to Peter, he said, you are Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church. I mean, he called him the rock way before Dwayne Johnson took that, right? I mean, it was like he was the rock. I mean, for him to hear that from Jesus must have felt the world. I'm like, man, you believe in me. You, 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 you trust me. You, yeah, you, you value me. It goes so far. Jesus says these words. When he says to other people, he says, your sins are forgiven, right? Those words of encouragement, of freedom were spoken by Jesus. One time the disciples were thinking about, you know, people were asking him, are you going to leave Jesus too? And he said, they said, where else should we go? With Jesus, he holds the words of life. Words of affirmation, words of life, words that speak into someone else. The important thing here is when you're doing this, notice if this is important for your spouse, notice what they do. Find words, find places to say that. It's not enough to be like, I told you like a year ago that I appreciated your cooking, right? I mean, why do I have to say it? I told you like last month that I love you. Come on, do I really have to? If it's words of affirmation, yes, we need to hear it. If you're writing a card, right, if you're giving a card to somebody with words of affirmation, just write a sentence, write something, make something personal. It goes so much, it goes so far because it speaks that I know you and I want to speak into that specifically. All right, so words of affirmation, need to hear it, express those words. Second is this, quality time. Quality time is another love language. Quality time, nothing is more important to me than you. So if your spouse's love language is quality time, Convey importance by focusing your full attention and energy on your mate. Full attention and energy on your mate. This isn't just mere proximity, hanging out together, you know, like just, you know, with the TV on and you're just sort of in the same space. That's not necessarily and not quality time. 
It's not being in a restaurant distracted by all kinds of TVs and being on your phone. No, quality time is this focused attention. You matter to me. I notice you. I see you. There's nothing else in the world more important to me than you right now. Nothing else matters. When you're locked in in that way, that becomes powerful. That's my wife's love language. I need to learn this love language more and more. It's about time together and investing in that. So it's not uncommon to hear in my house at times, um, it'll be like, you know, Saturday evening or something, and my wife will say, like, man, I just feel like I haven't spent any time with you. Everyone's really quiet, like, oh, boy. <laughs> I haven't spent any time. And it's like, it's Saturday. I'm like, we, we got up this morning. We slept in a little bit. We had breakfast with the family, and we did a few chores. And, man, we went to Costco. I went to Aldi's together with you, and we hung out. We played some games with the kids, and we watched a game in the evening and, and, and did this. And it's like, what do you mean? We, have, we spent the whole day together. But if your love language is quality time, we didn't spend time together because it wasn't the focus. I'm sorry, hon, I apologize for yesterday. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it's spending that time together, and it's what you do during that quality time. It's having quality conversation, right? It's, it's the ability to go deeper during that time to say, what really matters? What's moving you? What are you dealing with? It's not always problem solving. It's not advice giving. It's just hearing the other person out. What are your thoughts? What are you thinking? It's quality activities. It's being able to do things that are important to the other person. And so I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm not a huge ballet, opera, and art fan. But my wife is. <laughs> and so we'll go to the ballet or we'll go to the opera. And while I'll find a way to enjoy that together because we get to spend time together. But it's something that's important to her. And so we have to find time and do things that matter to the other person and saying, this is my attention and focused on you. And what begins to happen is you also fill up your memory bank of experiences, of things that you can recall together as a couple, special moments that become part of your story together when you spend that quality time. When I think about Scripture, I think about Jesus spending quality time, quality time with his disciples. He had his 12, he had the crowds, then he has 12, he had his three. But even in this exchange with, with Zacchaeus, Luke 19, 5, when Jesus came by Zacchaeus, the tax collector who was despised that nobody wanted to hang out with, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. I mean, this is like, I'm going to spend some time with you. Out of all these people, I want to focus in on you. And what happened? It changed, it changed Zacchaeus' life. All of a sudden, he was noticed. He was seen. He was spent, his time was spent with him. He was invested in. And Jesus did this time and time again, whether he had meals at people's houses, whether he was in the, the boat fishing with his disciples, dinner parties. He was at the house of Mary and Martha and, and, and Lazarus. He would spend quality time together. So are you spending quality time? Maybe you have a special place where you sit together and, and that's your talking spot. Maybe it's on the porch. Maybe it's your favorite beverage. You just, you have these moments that you carve out your date night. It's a chance to, or maybe a weekend away. And uh, just saying here, we have a great date night coming up on Friday, so if uh, quality time is, uh, you know, a little extra plug here, uh, coming up this Friday. Okay, so we have uh, words of affirmation, quality time. You can see how those are really uh, powerful. The third is this, receiving gifts. Receiving gifts is a way to receive love, a way to express love. You know if this is your primary love language, typically if you are a person who invests a lot of time and energy into giving good gifts. You guys all know people in your life that give good gifts. They, they know you. They think about it. It's not just, you know, like, let's just grab a, a, a gift card and stick it in a card, and there you go. We did the, 
thing. We're supposed to give you a gift. But no, these are thoughtful, thought out. It's the way they're presented, the way it's done. It makes a, makes a big difference. And so that could be your gift. Now, you've got to give good gifts, though, right? You've got to give good gifts. You can't give, like, a scale. You know, that's not a good gift to your spouse. Or, like, hair removal kit, like, not a good gift. <laughs> um, my mom always said, don't buy me anything that has a cord or a plug on it. I don't want anything like that. No appliances. This is, uh, there's this uh, woman who, who shared this. She said, my boyfriend gave me a necklace. He thought, uh, he thought it was of two people hugging, but it was, it was a silver necklace of a mother and child embracing. <laughs> so you, gotta, you, know, you didn't maybe think that all the way through there, right? You got to like, you know, did you put some time? Did you put some effort into this gift? So if your spouse's love language is receiving gifts, give gifts that express thoughtfulness and value to your spouse. Thoughtfulness and value. The gifts become visual symbols of love. They become, they become more than the gift itself. This isn't just about somebody who's you know, materialistic and just wants things. It's what does the gift convey? You are thinking about me. You know me. You've put some thought into this. You understand me. Oh, I'm valuable to you. Oh, you were, you were on a trip and, and, and you, know, you brought something with me. You were thinking about me while you were out. You got a gift for me just because. It's the gift that expresses that kind of, of value. The good news is this is one of the easiest love languages to learn. Now, if you're a tightwad and don't like to spend money, you have to learn to spend and invest some money. If you naturally like to spend, maybe you can do that, but you have to think about how are you giving this gift? How often? It's not, it's not important that you're always doing it, but one word of advice, it's not just what you give for Christmas or for birthday, right? Those are still need to be thoughtful gifts, but it's the extra gifts. It's the things you do in between that convey that value. And you don't have to spend a lot of money, right? You don't have to spend a lot of money. You can do small things, you know, buy a chapstick, buy a favorite candy bar, buy a little trinket, do something that just expresses that. Or go big, buy a puppy, right? Buy a car, I don't know, whatever it is, right? Do something that really expresses that, that love. <laughs> but then you got a commitment that you're going to have to follow through with that. Now, if you're one, a person who has, has trouble, like, going, I never know what to get, Little pro tip here too, open your phone, open a notes page, and call it gifts. And just as you go throughout the year, if your spouse or you know, your child or somebody says they're interested in something, they like something, they shop for something, jot it down. And later on, you've got it right there, you can get, the, get those kinds of, of gifts. Gift giving. How did Jesus give gifts? One thing we read in, in the Bible, Luke eleven thirteen. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He loves to give good gifts. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. Right? This is in God's nature. Loving leads to giving. It's a great story uh, in, in, in Scripture about this woman that was called, a, they, you know, she was caught in sin, and those around her saw her as a sinful woman, and, and Jesus was having a dinner with some Pharisees and with his disciples. And she wanted to come and she wanted to express love for Jesus. And so one of the things she did is she brought this expensive perfume and she poured it all over Jesus' feet. <laughs> Wasteful. And then she did this weird thing and she started just like drying his feet with her hair. And just this weird scene, this crazy thing going on. And, and, and the disciples and the Pharisees around to go, what is going on here? This is, this is, one, a bad use of resources. This is strange. This is crazy. Luke 7, 47. Here's what Jesus says. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who's forgiven little shows only little love. 
Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. But Jesus saw this was an act of she has shown me love. She's showing, she's demonstrating by this gift, by this investment. Jesus didn't condemn her for wasting the money or the resources or being foolish. He understood what was behind that was the depth of the love that was there. And so when we give those kind of gifts, when Jesus recognizes that in us, it it speaks to the love that we show, making that personal. All right, number four, acts of service, another love language. Acts of service. You're the kind of person who loves to help and take care of people. You love to show love. You demonstrate love. I love Galatians 6.2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. It's a beautiful picture. Carrying each other's burdens. Lighting, lightening that load. So if your spouse's love language is acts of service, lighten the load and demonstrate care for your spouse by serving. This is a powerful way when you see you're carrying a heavy burden, you're carrying a load, what can I do to lighten that load? Many times it just plays itself out with simple chores, right? You have, you know, if you're married, you know, you, you have the things that you do, you have the things that your spouse does, and that's great, and that's how life works, you figure that out, but when you step out of that and take on the other's responsibility, and you do that and say, hey, I already did that for you, can I take that uh, weight off of you this week, or it's already done, it's taken care of, I folded the laundry, I washed the car, I cut the grass, I swept, I did whatever, that communicates love, especially to a person whose primary love language is acts of service. Now, Jesus demonstrated this when he washed his disciples' feet, right? The, the act that was there for usually a servant or for someone else to do, but not Jesus. And what does he do? And Scripture actually tells us he showed them the full extent of his love, it says in Scripture. And then what did he do? He wrapped a towel around himself, got down on his knees, and he washed the disciples' feet. An act of service demonstrating love, humility, and caring Now, it's important to find out what is it that your spouse appreciates. It doesn't help you do in all kinds of acts of service, and that's not really something that helps or that they care about. So understand what is important and be motivated, not out of obligation or duty, because that doesn't feel good, right? It's being motivated out out of love and to say, I just want to serve you. Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Love demonstrated. Let's play a little game. Name that love language. Mary and Martha in the Bible. Jesus is coming to visit, and they're, they're getting their house ready, and then Jesus shows up, and Martha's in the kitchen. She's preparing the dinner, the meal, making sure everything's in good order, and there's Mary who, go, who sits at Jesus' feet and just wants to hear and talk and listen. What do you think their primary love languages are? Martha, acts of service, right? And she gets upset, Mary, why aren't you helping, right? Because this is, you're gonna, this is Jesus. We're going to show love. We've got to work. We've got to serve. It's acts of service. But what does Mary do? She sits at Jesus' feet. What do you think? Quality time, right? Forget the food right now. Jesus is here. I want to spend quality time. And we can argue to the end what's more important. Now, Jesus said in this moment, hey, I want to spend time with you. But both were trying to express love. Both were trying to communicate. So we see it playing out in, the, in both of those ways. Acts of service. How can you carry each other's load? How can you lighten that? And I always think, and I say this in a lot of wedding ceremonies that I, that I do, is try to outserve each other. Try to outserve each other, looking for ways. Whether or not this is a love language, this is part of the way that we humble ourselves, part of the way that we lift up the other, and, whenever, and we're filling each other's tank in those ways. The fifth is this, physical touch. 
another aspect of love and a love language that we speak. If your spouse's love language is physical touch, express closeness by sharing appropriate and desired touch and affection. Express closeness by sharing appropriate and desired touch and affection. Physical contact is important. We know that just in general, as human beings, we need to be in proximity. We need to be in relationship and physical touch. When we are devoid of that for a long time, it has psychological effects on us. Physical touch is powerful. And I know maybe in, in marriage you think instantly, well, physical touch, oh, it's all about sex. It's about intimacy. No, that's a part of it. It's absolutely an important part and, and, and something that is, is essential in a marriage relationship. But there's so many other ways in which touch is important. How important is it? What's the love language of your spouse? How do you speak that? Is it just holding hands in public that, you're, that, that you do that or even just in a quiet moment? Is it a gentle kiss? A hug is powerful, isn't it? A hug can be so powerful. Now, again, you have to know what is that love language. You don't want to do things that are annoying. A back rub can be great, but if, a, if your spouse hates their back being touched or the back of their neck, don't do that, right? But sharing and expressing physical touch has a way to create a bond. It's a way to create connection, that there's something about us. There's a oneness. There's a, there's a bond between us. And again, as parents and children, hugging. Next time, try this. As you hug, don't be the first one to let go of the hug. Now, don't be creepy and keep holding on the hug. That's weird, too. But just wait, because there's a moment where you just sense in the other person, okay, I've got my tank filled now, right? <laughs> let go of me. Um, <laughs> It's powerful, and in crisis or in difficult situations, just again, being together, just a hand on the leg, a hand being held, a gentle hug, powerful moments, physical touch. And there's, there are those with the love language, especially a physical touch, that when there isn't physical connection, the love tank just goes down. It, does, it, it reinforces the bond that's there and says this is how we feel connected. And we know in couples where love is being, um, feels lost and gone, that physical part is often not there. And so how do you reestablish that? Think about Jesus again in physical touch. I mean, you, you think about the stories, and what really stands out to me is like, the, think about lepers, right? The untouchables. I mean, they were called the untouchables. You, can't, you couldn't touch them. They had to ring a bell and walk on the other side of the street so people would clear the road. They would, didn't want to be caught by them and get, you know, get diseased, and that's what they thought. And here's what it says in, in Matthew 8, 2 to 3. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Verse 3, Jesus reached out and touched him. I'm willing, he said, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. All right, Jesus wasn't afraid to touch, and it wasn't just about the healing, right? It was about being touched and being recognized as a human being. Jesus knew the power of touch. Remember the woman who had been bleeding for many years and in desperation, and a crowd reached out to, to touch Jesus, and he said, who touched me? He felt power go out of him. There was something powerful about that touch that took place. I think about Jesus and the little children when the disciples were keeping the kids from Jesus, and he, and he said, let the little children come to me. Why? Come. To, to engage, to, to interact, to be together, to have that proximity. Touch was powerful to be and to build those relationships. And so it is in our life. A touch and a hug and, a and physical affection in the appropriate ways and times can really establish that love. So what is your love language? of the five love languages. And again, the one that's most native to you, the one that you receive, if mine is words of affirmation, then it's easier for me to give words of affirmation and think everybody just wants that and forget about these others. 
Know yours, but also know your spouse's. Learn to speak each other's language. Think about what happens if we communicate and we speak the wrong language here. So if my, if my love language is acts of service, and so I'll, and I want to demonstrate acts of service, and, uh, and Shannon's is, is quality time. So I spend the whole day, and I'm doing all kinds of things, and all kinds of chores, and I'm doing everything that's on her plate to do, and I'm just doing all that, and, and, and the evening comes, and now I'm dead tired. I'm going, I hope you feel loved. And she's going, why didn't you spend any time with me? Just leave the kitchen for a mess. Why are you so worried about having a clean and tidy kitchen? That's about spending, we, did, we didn't even hang out together. So that's a difference in, in love language. Or, the, or you flip it around. Somebody constantly saying, hey, I just want to spend time together. Spend time together. But maybe if it's acts of service and you feel like an orderly house and things are important and you just go, I can't until all the stuff is taken care of. It's not a fault in anyone. It's understanding each other. Right? If, or if it's you know, giving gifts and trying to understand what's the way that I do that, and you just are always giving gift cards, and your spouse is saying, I wish you would just one time think what is important to me, what would matter to me. I just want to know that you're investing some thought and time into this. Right? Learn that. If that's, the, uh, if that's the language, to speak each other's language. So which one are you? Now, if you want to ha- have a little quiz, you can go to the number 5lovelanguages.com. And there's a link there to quizzes or forward slash quizzes, and it takes you a couple minutes, answer a few questions, and boom, kicks out a, a love language for you. This would be a fun activity to do with your family. You can do it with, with your coworkers. Uh, you can do it, uh, and then and, and talk about it. Talk about it over lunch about these love languages. And it's absolutely true as well for, for kids and, and how we speak that, that language. Don't be stingy with love. 1 John 3.1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. God just lavishes his love. Let's not be stingy when it comes to love. And let's not just think of love as only one thing, writing a romantic card or or giving a flower or saying I love you. The way we express love has many shapes and forms. And none of us are just like one channel of these. We all want some aspects of all of these. It's just that some of these languages mean more to us and, and fill our tank faster. And if our desire and our heart is to really speak love into each other, how do we do that? Invest in that relationship. Express that love. And what I love about all of this is we see our Heavenly Father speaking that to us. And so it's not just that we experience that in marriage or in friendship or in relationship, but that God has promised to come and to speak that love to us. He says to you, I love you. You're valued. You're important. He sends his Holy Spirit. He gives us gifts. He says, I want to be with you now until the end of the age. With your Holy Spirit, he is there with us. So many different ways that he communicates that. So as we wrap up the series and we think about marriage, we think about relationships, people that are close to us, special friendships that we have, I do want to pray specifically again for marriages. I don't know if you feel like the love has grown cold or it's just not there, there's tension. I pray that God would heal conflicts. I pray that God would allow you to speak the language of love and start doing what love does, not just saying or hoping to fall in and out of love. Do what love does and watch how that love relationship can be restored. I just ask you to bow your heads today. I just ask you to reflect. If you're married on your marriage, if you're not, reflect on people close to you, your kids, friends, significant others. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you so loved the world that you gave us your one and only Son. Father, that your love was never just in words or in concepts, but it was in the flesh. It was in person, incarnate. 
that you came, that you died on a cross for us, that you laid down your life for us. Father, may we be people who lay down our lives for those closest to us. Father, may we be husbands and wives that lay down our lives for our spouses, for our families, for those near to us. God, that we would give everything and demonstrate that love. Father, fill our love tanks. God, fill us with what we need through your spirit. God, where there's wounds, where there's hurts, where there's emptiness, help us to know that we are loved by you completely, fully, wholly, as we are. And allow us to just embrace that and live life out of that love that you've given us. Father, for, for marriages struggling, I pray, especially God, that you would bring healing, that you would show a way forward, that you would bring restoration and one day at a time, lead them forward to experience that wholeness and that holiness that only you can bring. We give you thanks, God, for your great love, your amazing love, your love that never abandons us, your love that seeks us out, your love that comes after us. God, may we live that out. And as your word says, may the world know that we are your followers by the love that we share. The world will know we are Christians by our love, God. And so because of your great love, God, we ask that you would give us the strength to share that with others. In Jesus' name, amen.